0: church, I want you to stand. If you're in the lobby, I want to invite you to come in, and join us for a time of worship, we're going to be starting service. You can stand and arise. I'm going to read our invitation this morning. And it comes from Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22 to 23, and it reads this, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Before we go into a time of worship, I actually want to introduce a new song we'll be singing this morning. It's called Jehovah, and Jehovah means Yahweh. So highest name for God. And so we're going to be singing that God is Jehovah Nisi, meaning that he is our banner, our mighty warrior, our victory. He is also Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He's also Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And lastly, he is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. Let's go to God and pray before we start. Father, we worship you. And you are a God of everything. God, I pray that God, um, as we enter in a time of worship, that God, we would just be reminded of who you are. That God, you are a God who holds us all together. You are a God of peace. You are a God of victory. And so, Lord, I, I ask that God, that God, we would turn to you. God, we would cling to you. And so, Lord, we ask, we ask that the Holy Spirit would help us to sing, to help us lift our voices, to help us to lift a praise and a hallelujah to your name this morning. So, God, we give you all the glory. And all God's people said, amen. Let's enter a time of worship, church. we have a church it's not, it's not, it's not something that Rich and I come together and we just think like, hey what should we do <laughs> um, it's all from scripture it's all from the word and all of our core principles the goal of them is that our church will reflect the gospel the goal is that our church would exemplify what, what, who Christ is and what Christ has done within our community within our cities within our families and we also within us so church, um, we're going to be singing a song called I Speak Jesus, but I don't want us to sing it. I want us to declare this. Because this is the goal and mission of our church. We want to speak Jesus to everyone, to our, to our family, to those who don't know Christ. If you don't know what our church um, vision statement is, it's share Christ and make disciples. And for us to share Christ, it's not something that, you know, we can just do in our mind. We actually have to declare his name to lift his name and make his glory known and so church as we sing this song I hope that it would empower you and I also hope that it would challenge you, would challenge to declare this good news of the gospel that our God sent his only son Jesus Christ to die for our sins on a cross because he so loved our world so church I want to invite you to sing with us and declare Jesus to our communities and to our to our church For every heart and every mind Cause I know there's peace within your presence I speak Jesus oh. I just wanna speak This is Just pray that god you would send us father that, god we want to just learn that, god we don't want we want to just talk about this father but god i pray that god um, we will live out this gospel in every single area of our lives god and i also pray lord that god um as we just saying lord you are jehovah shalom the god of peace jehovah rapha the god who heals and so lord i just pray lord for those in this room lord who just feel broken and tired and hurt Lord, I pray, Lord, that, God, there is healing right now in this moment, Father. Because, God, we're reminded that, God, you are with us, that, God, you have not abandoned us, Lord. And that, God, there is this truth that can heal, that can satisfy us, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, I pray that, God, our hearts will believe in that truth this morning, despite how, how hard it may be, Father, whatever circumstances we have in our lives right now, Lord, I pray that, God, we will surrender to you, that, God, that we would moment right now, Lord. My God, there is a church that says, us And I pray that God we will God, will you. truth. will you. God, we you. we we will this time. Um, just as you see, these piece of past to another as well. So I'm
1: Good morning good morning good morning everyone and welcome to Risen I hope you have the peace of Christ upon your hearts this moment and um, here at Risen we are here to share Christ and make disciples as David shared earlier uh, during his songs and so if you're new here we want to extend a special welcome if you'd like to get connected you can sign up through our connection form we have an iPad in the front feel free to talk to any of the greeters even myself and with that we have lunch after service, and so that's one of the ways we share Christ to you, and I hope we can share Christ over a table and uh, get to know you more. So if you're new here, we want to extend a special welcome that you know, we often like to gather together. And so it's, we'll be meeting at Ono Hawaiian Barbecue after service around 1245. We have membership class coming up. So if Risen is your home, you know, we talked about last season, we went through the book of Acts and how the body is so committed together, they should be considered a body. Excuse me, the church is so committed together that they should be considered a singular body, so contingent on each other. And so if you find Risen to be your home, if you want to be committed to this church, go on mission together. Please come and attend our membership class. You're not required to become a member after. We'll provide food, and we can show you everything we do and the biblical basis about it. We have baptism class as well. So if you're interested on Sunday, September 17th, now this is a really great example of us just being on mission together. So if you haven't been baptized, you're interested in being baptized, please come check out this class because you know we just want to recognize that baptism is a very sacred sacrament and seal. It's something that Christ has shared us for us to do, and we get to celebrate that together. And for parents and teachers, we want you to meet Adara Yang. So uh, that's going to be on September 9th. Yeah, and uh, that'll be at the Hong's place. So please sign up so they can account for people and food. It'll be a great opportunity to get to know her more, uh, pray together, and pray for the Risen Kids Ministry. Again, this is for parents and teachers um and speaking about being a body again we are a presbyterian church so and we're a church plant that means we're a relatively new church and we're part of a greater presbyterian so much of our elders are external from our church and they look they look over our church but like like the churches we read about in the book of acts and all throughout the new testament we too want to raise up church leaders so we really encourage you to be very mindful and prayerful about thinking about who could become an elder at our church and to pray for that person and to come to this meeting and to nominate and this is again for members as well And with that, children, you're dismissed. There's teachers in the back, so feel free to exit through the back. If you're going to nursery, that's room 216 on this side. We have elementary now, that's 214. And behind that is pre-K to kindergarten room 213. So children, you are dismissed. We'll be continuing with our core principles series. And today, we'll be reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord.
2: All right, well, good morning, everyone, and it's good to see you all today. Um, I'm Pastor Rich, and so if this is your first time visiting us, I want to extend a special welcome to you to our church. Uh, Please stick around. We all have a fellowship lobby out there to have some coffee and catch up with some of our members here. But as Ilbum said, we are continuing our sermon series through our core principles. And we're almost at the end of it. Just we got two left, right? Today and next Sunday. Uh, But today, what we're going to see is what the Bible says about your calling in life. All right calling um it's a core principle of ours because um though we may not talk about it that much i really do believe it is uh actually the culture probably talks about it more than maybe our church or the church universal right what is your calling in life Um, when we read the bible we see actually uh, Jesus and the Apostles talking about calling most of it is of course we'll go into it but I won't give it all away but the three things that we're going to take a look at in regards to calling first we're going to take a look at the context okay Um, you were born into a context right Uh, all of us here are a result of influences right nature and nurture culture and societal and so we're going to talk about how the context of the the world that we came into how that really influences us um two we're going to talk about then a balanced calling and then lastly we're going to talk about the redemption of our calling so first let's talk about the context you know when we think about this idea of calling um, we think of it along the lines of steve jobs if you guys remember um I, don't, I mean i was thinking about this the other day. I, was, I don't know one singular thing that has changed uh, the world to what it is today other than the iphone but um, steve jobs describes a person's calling as great work that's what he said right and great work according to jobs is something you truly love doing he said the only way to be truly satisfied in life is to do what you believe is great work and the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking, don't settle. Right? The the uh, calling of jobs is the spirit that has just swept up generations, hasn't it? Right? Jobs is challenging this this previous notion. He's challenging this previous notion of working for financial security and comfort. Right? Previously, that was sort of what work was. You worked for security and comfort. And he's challenging that notion, and instead he's saying, you must pursue what you love and what you are passionate about. That is your calling in life. That is your purpose in life. And until you find that, don't rest. Right? That's, that, that's what Jobs said. <clears throat> now, um, I don't like, completely disagree with this i think there's some truth to it but i don't think it's all true Uh, but for the sake of argument let's i'm just going to use a hyperbole here let's say there are two kinds of people Uh, there are people like jobs who believe that they should love their job they are looking for deep purpose and meaning and fulfillment and contentment in work the workplace affects them tremendously for 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 good or for bad whatever you know if, if the work that they're doing is good man they are emotionally spiritually physically mentally well if the work that they're experiencing, whether it's the work itself or the situation the context if it's not good then they are down they cannot they cannot find meaning in anything else you see let's say just for the sake of argument there are two kinds of those those two kinds of people uh, or that's the work. first kind the second kind is there are those who work to live right it's just a job they can't wait to clock out (laughs) they can't wait to see their family and friends right work to this group is a hindrance to their calling in life (laughs) a hindrance to life enjoyment in this view work is to be avoided or simply endured and the motivation to work is just to bring a home a paycheck, to find contentment and fulfillment elsewhere. Right. So you have the first group, who lives to work. Right. And then you have the second group who work, to live. Not everyone is simply one or the other. That would be too black and white. Too uh, that would be too reductionistic. To more or less a degree, all of us is a mixed bag of both. Uh, but this is our context. Right. Uh, this is the tension that you feel Uh, how much is uh, your work um, uh, your uh, how much of that is to be your joy your calling your meaning your purpose your fulfillment and then how much is your family and friendships and relationships how much of that is to be your calling and contentment how much is entertainment and pleasure to fulfill your calling and contentment in life and are these the only callings in life? This is the tension it pulls in pulls us in, in many different directions. We idolize work and what work can give us, whether it's comfort, whether it's security, whether it's the approval of others, whether it's fulfillment. But the reality is is that no one is content, right? No one is ever fulfilled. This is our culture, um, but when it comes to the Lord's prayer. What, what Jesus is talking to people just like you, right? People who had the same desires, the same longings for security and comfort, for meaning and approval and fulfillment. And his teaching on prayer is, is beautiful because it really encapsulates what we ought to be pursuing, what, we, what ought to be calling us in life, right? Right? Um, and, and I want to just dive into this really quickly here as we now take a look at a balanced calling, a balanced calling. Right? First, in our text, Jesus teaches his disciples, and he's teaching also us, to pray and ask for help to fulfill not just one of our callings, like work, or two of our callings, like work and maybe our relationships, but all our callings in life. Verse 9 to 10, Jesus teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? That request is redressing our calling as people who long to see the kingdom of God flourish in our hearts and our lives and in the world. Verse 11, of course, gives us, give us this daily bread, um, addresses our calling of work, which means work is good. We ought to pray about our work and expect God to give us work. And this is how God financially provides for us. It is through work. Um, Not the lotto (laughs) verse 12 says forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors this addresses our calling in regard to our relationships we're not supposed to be consumeristic transactional but we are supposed to have loving and gracious and forgiving relationships for the longevity and purpose of our relationships verse 13 says lead us not in temptation but deliver us from evil which addresses our calling in regard to our spiritual character right how much of your time and your life is reflective about the kind of spiritual character you are right uh, patience selflessness grace endurance faithfulness these sorts of things that we should be focusing on. The verse 13, when we ask, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil, it asks God to help us and strengthen us to live righteously and courageously and compassionately and selflessly. So the Lord's Prayer is encapsulating God's holistic call and purpose for us in order to live fulfilling lives, right? Uh, Jesus is trying to show us, hey, you want to live a meaningful life, you want to live a fulfilling life a life that i have created you for well in order to do that you cannot miss any particular part of these statements and callings in the lord's prayer right the first one says our father in heaven think about that think about every day if you were to start your day and you're praying about your day you started with my father in heaven how much comfort and security would be in that (laughs) hallowed be your name right what what would it look like every day if you prayed god you are a holy god and i take that too lightly in other words contrary to steve jobs or any other narrative out there if we do want to find comfort if we do want to find security if we do want to find meaning and fulfillment if we want to find love then then we have to live out the comprehensive calling of the lord's prayer um But today, and remember, this is a core principle. So you know, we'll 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 hit up calling frequently. But right now, I just want to focus on verse 11. I want to focus on this prayer request. Spend some time unpacking it. Give us this day our daily bread, because work is the overwhelming calling in our culture, is it not? Right. First thing you meet someone, right? They might not even ask your name. They might just ask, "What do you do?" (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, where's your family? They may not even ask about your family. They may just ask, where do you work? You see, it's really imperative we get free. We have to get free from the falseness of this proportion and the false promises uh, that this uh, uh, promises in our lives if we want to experience joy and contentment in our calling. And in this one little sentence, give us this daily, bre- daily bread. There is, there is so much. First by allowing us, of course, to pray for our work, Jesus affirms the goodness of it. We ought to ask people to pray for our work. We spend you know, 40 to 50 hours um, in the workplace throughout the week. That is a significant amount of time where we live our lives and how we're supposed to live for the glory of God. But when we ask for daily bread, first, This means to only pray for and long for what we need. This is because human nature is the opposite. Uh, Praying for and longing for much more than is necessary. And because of this insatiable desire for more, even the Apostle Paul says people have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs right and contrary to more is better paul is saying no actually more can be worse because you only have so much time you have so much energy you have only so much mental energy you only have so many years on this life that when you focus on more you wander away you and you inflict upon yourself many pings he's also saying that the inordinate consuming thoughts of wanting more and making more has the ability to snatch and replace your relationship with God right so asking for daily bread fights and requests help from God in this spiritual battle of worship in our hearts and Jesus is teaching us how to pray how to spiritually fight for our lives for our souls that's what this phrase first means give us our daily bread second to ask for daily bread also means that God is in control of everything. For example, when we say I've worked hard to be where I'm at, right? We all say that. We've all said that. I've even I've said that, right? I've worked so hard to be where I'm at. Well, what with well, with what have you worked hard with? First, you are alive. Right? So if there is a God, if we believe there is a God, and he's created us being alive helps right in working and earning an income it's not it's not a difficult concept right dead no income alive income right but we take that for granted but death is real second what else do we need to work not just life but health maybe you're thinking well what's the difference between life and health with that thought you're already taking your health for granted you know um man um you know several I think several months ago I caught the stomach bug I was alive but I was incapacitated I couldn't even get up I was miserable I could not do any work right you see our health affects how well we can work how much we can work. How much we can earn so when we get sick and we get really upset we do say to god why why but we never say to god when we're healthy thank you god for keeping me healthy right thank you we all take health for granted but if god is in control of everything he is not only in control over the bad things of our lives but he's also in control over the good things of our lives so every single day you are alive and every single day you are healthy to work that is a gift from god right so before we get uh to the point where we say man i i have done all this i have worked with i've done so much we have to think thank you god for keeping me alive and healthy you see this kind of uh, perspective and attitude uh, which is gratitude is good for the soul even secular psychology understands the the benefits the mental and emotional and even physical benefits of living with gratitude And the purest and most powerful kind of gratitude is rooted in a loving and sovereign Heavenly Father. Lastly, the fact that this is one prayer request out of, uh, well, one prayer statement out of, I think, six, if we were to include um, our Heavenly Father, hallowed be His name. um, What this means is that this prayer, verse 11, praying for our work, is just one part. Right, of our thoughts. It's it's one part of our desires. Um, it's not the majority, or even the highest calling. And uh, if I were just to be very simplistic about it, let's say one statement out of six in the Lord's Prayer that would require fifteen percent of your thoughts, fifty percent of your desires. That's that's a little bit of a perspective there. And so what that means is work and what work provides though important it is very important it has to be at seen in its proper place we cannot expect work in the office or in the home even if we're doing what we love we can't expect it to give us perfect and undisturbed contentment and let me explain why i'm gonna i'm gonna go a little bit here into genesis 3. genesis 3 is the fall adam and eve sin against god right uh they're supposed to their work was to uh guard the garden from evil right um today we see works purely as consumeristic but um work also has work also ought to have ethical um uh influences right your work is either providing some good or some bad and so in the garden when adam and eve rebelled because they did not properly kick out satan um, when satan was trying to pull them away from god they incurred consequences of their rebellion and we as their offspring inherit the consequences and brokenness of sin right maybe you're thinking that doesn't make any sense rich well you know um y'all know i have a son luke um he's my son i have sweaty palms and sweaty feet and he has sweaty palms and sweaty feet and he's gonna tell me god he's gonna tell me dad this isn't fair i'm like i don't know what to tell you Right? Those are the consequences of a broken world. You can talk to Adam when you get to heaven. Right? <laughs> we all incur consequences of those above us. right? Um, if our boss makes a call, we have to follow, whether we may not agree or not sometimes. Right? So just as children inherit the qualities uh, and consequences for good or bad from the parents in the same way we inherit those from our original parents, Adam and Eve. And in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve went against God, God said to them, Because you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it. All the days of your life thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you and by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you are taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return so Genesis 3 here is an ancient text but man it couldn't be any more relevant for us because it gets straight to the context it asks do you find your work excruciating hard do you find life excruciatingly hard this is why this is why pain thorns sweat of your brow exhaustion right work is not itself a curse we were created for it but at the end of the day no matter how good no matter how much we love our work all our work has been affected by genesis 3. okay uh three things happen and let's go first into this pain work can bring blessings blessings like provision blessings like service and benefit to others these are the blessings work can bring but work can also bring pain for example, when we experience dishonesty, bullying, or betrayal by an employee or company that we've sacrificed so much for and been loyal to, that is painful. It is painful. We can let go by factors that are outside of our control. Sometimes things just don't work out. That is painful. Because of our limitations, medical diagnosis can be wrong, cars can malfunction, criminals can be acquitted, and the innocent condemned. This is the painful brokenness of work. If you work long enough, you know, um, you are very thankful that God has not allowed the mistakes of your work to come back and bite you, right? One for one. You know what I'm saying? Two, work as thorns. If you've ever gardened, if you've ever hiked, you have a thorn in your glove or in your shoe, they don't bring like intense pain. But they're frustrating, aren't they? You you can still finish the hike, but it takes the joy out of the hike, <laughs> right? Everyone's like, "Hey, what's wrong?" And, ah, I got this thorn, and they're like, "What's up? This so grumpy. It's just a thorn." But that's how painful. That's how uh, just frustrating it can be. Um, so maybe you work with someone who is extremely difficult to work with, or a dysfunctional team, or you're having strong disagreements with leadership it causes you stress and frustration even anger um maybe you feel stretched thin you feel like you're not getting the appreciation that you deserve no one is dying right there's no legal uh sorry there's no uh yeah legal injustice happening it's relative suffering God is still providing things are still getting done everything is great besides this part you're just experiencing the unavoidable reality of the thorns Of the thorns if you're a gardener and and you think that you can garden without rodents thorns and weeds then you don't understand the game so church we can never eliminate all the thorns in our life and in our work and Genesis tells us why the fall is real the fall is real sin is real Francis Schaeffer said we all live in the shadow of the fall the shadow of the fall every workplace wants to promise you that you're going to live in the shadow of Eden but in reality you and I are all in the shadow of the fall uh, my wife Jen she's been at her job for eight years um, but at the at the company previously uh, man it was it was rough right there was a point where she had to work 30 days straight so she would come to church and then she would have to go right back to work after church you know I was thinking, I don't know if this is a good example to set as a pastor's wife. Um, But, right, like her team would text her at midnight, text, right? Part of it is their fault, obviously, but part of it is also her fault for uh, people-pleasing. She would respond to those texts at midnight, right? But we started praying for a new work situation so that she could not only fulfill her calling to work, but also her other callings in life, right? The relationships, uh, being a daughter of God, spending time with Him, doing kingdom work. And so when she got a new job, when she, got, uh, when she first got there, she was ecstatic, of course, because the, 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 the old job was pretty bad, um, which she should be because God had answered her, our prayers. But I sensed in the sort of overrealizing, transposing of heaven onto this job, you know, uh, as if this job was going to uh, make everything perfect and i and i told her hey remember it's not the promised land right it's going to have pain it's going to have thorns soon enough right six months in employee betrayal (laughs) fear-driven culture everyone's fear-driven right as if the world is going to fall miscommunication bullying and she still struggles with her own sort of tension of trying to please people at her workplace you see, not just in our work are we going to experience thorns, but in our life also. No matter what stage of life you are in, whether you are single, married, or a parent, you don't just experience pain, you'll also experience thorns, right? Um, I remember uh, when I was taking this marital family counseling class in seminary, uh, the professor would say, the only people that want to be married are single. The only people that want to be single are married, right? The only people that want kids are married folks. The only people that don't want kids are the parents, Right? what why why is there this sort of like oh regret i shouldn't have i should because there was a misunderstanding of the thorns the reality of thorns every stage of life every workplace Um, let's take out the last thing here the sweat of the brow exhaustion let me share a personal example right Uh, for every sermon i preach i spend about 15 to 20 hours right um for a 35-minute sermon okay and I actually have more. I, I, I took a look last night. Um, if this sermon is like 10 pages, I have about 15 pages of material cut out. Just trash. <laughs> right? Sermon preparation, right, is a lot of reading and writing and editing and praying. It's, it, is, it is tiring. You know, like I'm not like, I'm not, after a sermon Right, I'm not like refreshed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's hard work. It's good work. I love being a pastor, I love being a preacher. It is one of the most rewarding things in life. I truly feel meant for it and called to it, but that does not make it easy. Sweat of the brow, right? And so all of us here can relate to the exhaustion of work. I don't know if you're meant to be refreshed after a long, hard day of work. You know, if I come back uh, from the gym and I'm like ah, I'm not that tired <laughs> did I really work out And so all of us can relate to the exhaustion of work whether it's um once again in the office or at home with the family um I remember before I thought that hey you know like if we have a kid my job is flexible I wouldn't mind like working around Luke and providing for me and i was like this is more difficult <laughs> like, this is more difficult than ministry i really do believe that that's when you know you're called i guess for ministry is when you think taking care of your own child is harder right it's so hard i was like jen no we just pay the daycare it doesn't matter <laughs> like, um and many of you spend long hours right whether it's on the computer whether it's in meetings you feel under the gun you don't feel like you have enough time in the day right the house is a mess there's laundry to do kids to feed and wash it's hard to be mentally and spiritually there for your spouse your family you love your kids you would do anything for them but once again none of that makes it easy right it is tiring selfless and sacrificial work so on the one hand the Lord's Prayer teaches us that work uh, whether in the office or home is always a part of our calling On the other hand genesis 3 in the lord's prayer tells us because of the fall because of the brokenness of the pain and the thorns and the exhaustion we cannot find our soul meaning our soul fulfillment our highest comfort and security and calling in work or we will be perpetually frustrated and perpetually exhausted no matter where we are no matter what we are doing So this brings us to the last point the redemption of our calling now the fact that the first petition in the Lord's Prayer is your kingdom come your will be done that implies that Jesus is the king of our lives not our boss not the bottom line not the stock market right Jesus and so for Jesus to be king in your life this means that he is the most in what you love in what you worship, in what you think about, in what you value and cherish, if he is not the king of your life and what you value the most and cherish the most, then something else is ruling over you. Okay? And if we give it that authority and power as the ultimate calling in our life, whether it's security or comfort or the approval of others or pure contentment, it's going to cause disintegration going to cause disintegration any hiccup whether in your work or in your relationships if that's what you worship any hiccup in it it's going to cause unproportional despair it's going to cause unproportional fear it's going to cause unproportional anger because not one of your callings in life is being shaken what you think of as your ultimate calling is being shaken the very center of your core is disintegrating so what you and i need church is redemption redemption just means buying something back and so we need our callings in life to be redeemed to be bought back and this phrase was used when slaves were sold right and someone bought that slave from that master The same way jesus sees us as being enslaved by satan and the power of sin and jesus says they need to be redeemed we need redemption so that nothing else defines us or controls us other than jesus what do i mean by this well um let me explain by sharing a personal example Uh, before i became a pastor you all know i was a civil engineer and that transition was, was painful, right? It was painful, it was hard. Uh, once again, being a pastor is a holy and gracious calling upon my life. Um, um, but as important as it is, it's not just below the work that Jesus has done for me. And if God were to call me elsewhere again, to change again would not be easy. I would need a lot of prayer, a lot of help, the church and the gospel. But Jesus would still be good, right? Because Jesus has crushed sin and death. And he is worthy of trusting and following. In his sovereignty, he is working his glory and will no matter where I am and no matter what I'm doing. The kingdom and Jesus the King dictates and defines, right? the stability of all my callings and church this is your ultimate calling your ultimate identity and your ultimate purpose your ultimate significance and your ultimate boasting right your ultimate boasting is not is not your career it really isn't it's the sweet relationship you have with jesus There is nothing greater than being secured and defined and affirmed by the unbreakable love and affirmation and valuing and comfort and security you can find in Jesus. Everything must come second to this or you will miss your ultimate calling in life. All the other callings, they're just not, they're just not perfect enough. They're not satisfying enough. They are what uh, the prophets of the Old Testament would call broken cisterns that we pour water in that, that continues to leak out. No, all your other callings in life have to stand on your ultimate calling as God's beloved son and daughter in His kingdom. This is what makes you secure and worthy. And Paul says, not defeated. I don't know, sometimes when I feel like I'm not doing well as a pastor, I feel defeated. I feel like a failure. I feel like a loser. And Paul says, no, you are more than a what? Conqueror. In in Romans chapter eight, I'm just gonna end by reading this. He is talking to people who are experiencing the thorns and the pain and the exhaustion of life. And he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Right? He's talking to people who are struggling with security. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. He is talking to people who are struggling with approval. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He is talking to people who feel hopeless. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, he is talking to people now who are being persecuted for their faith. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers right nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else no, nothing supernatural nothing physical nothing in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church if that is your ultimate calling your foundation that you stand on then then you can endure The hiccups and the pain and the thorns and the exhaustion of the small other callings in your life let's pray heavenly father you are our heavenly father we are not orphans we may have broken families we may have pain from our upbringing but you still are our heavenly father which means that we are children and we find tremendous rest tremendous comfort tremendous peace and safety in your arms hallowed be your name you are a holy god you are majestic you are righteous you are perfect and we are sinners. And we take too lightly, too flippantly, your holiness. So forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Father, we struggle with forgiveness. So much of the time, we want one way forgiveness forgiveness for ourselves but not forgive forgiveness for others but this prayer reminds us that forgiveness is always a two-way street to receive the supernatural grace and forgiveness and love and joy from god we need to let that flow out your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven too much of the time we are busy and occupied and anxious And consumed and forcing everyone around us to be a part of our own kingdom building that which is temporal that which is broken that which is fleeting that which is unsatisfying and we long for heaven oh man we long for a kingdom without pain without thorns without exhaustion we long To see your face and right now this life our lives is just a blip just a blip such a short time compared to eternity but during that time that we are here would you help us to go on mission to share Christ and make disciples so that we can bring the only thing that is lasting the only thing we can bring with us to your kingdom which is people souls None of our belongings and none of our possessions. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, so much of the time we are consumed with more and more. But there is a cost. There is only so much time. There is only so much energy. So help us to spiritually fight against this force, this spiritual force that wants to snatch. Our relationship with you that wants to snatch our time to engage in heavenly and spiritual and majestic things and lead us not in temptation but deliver us from evil father we need you to help us not just to provide but to live lives of spiritual character to live lives like the glorious most glorious most purposeful most loving person in the world Jesus Christ that oh it's so attractive but we are weak the body is willing the spirit or the spirit is willing and the body is weak so would you help us pray all this in Jesus name amen Um, Every Sunday, we partake of communion. It's a reminder um, that uh, church or being a Christian is not just, you know, singing and praise or just, uh, which is emotional. It's not just intellectual, like listening to a sermon. It is also deeply relational. Um, God, I mean, you know, if you eat a meal, um, you're eating someone eating with someone. If it's regular, it's with your friend. And so communion is a reminder that at the end of the day, this isn't just um, detached theoretical truth. No, it is deeply, deeply relational. And so if you're a Christian, um, this meal is for, is for you if you believe in faith. But if you're not a Christian or you're not sure if you are a Christian, um, that's, that's okay. Um, at our church, we don't want to pressure you to do something that you are unsure of. So it's OK to let the bread and, and juice pass today, but I would love to hear your story. I would love to pray for you and listen to you and talk to you more about how important the gospel is for you. So I'll be up here after service, and you can come up, um, and I would love to talk. I would love to pray. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread. He gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So church, the body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. In the same manner as our Lord took the bread, he took a cup and he gave thanks. And he said, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins, as often as you drink do this in remembrance of me that's why we do communion weekly because we want to do it often so that we can remember the covenant that jesus has made with us which is an unconditional forgiveness of all our sins of all our mistakes of all our regrets and of all our failings church the blood of christ shed for you take and drink At this time, we're also going to um, respond to the sermon um, and to communion. We're going to allow some time so that we can all have some time to, to spend uh, some time with the Holy Spirit. And then after a couple minutes, I'll wrap this up. our father who is in heaven thank you so much for forgiving us (sighs) thank you so much that you have redeemed us from the power of sin and from any other ruler in this world thank you for sending your own son to die for us could not imagine that kind of pain. The ultimate kind of pain for the ultimate greatest work that nothing we do could compare to. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us like a true brother would. Serving us. Praying for us. Giving up your life for us. Giving up all your comfort And security and glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for always being with us and for being able to untangle the thoughts and frustrations and the anxieties in our soul that no counselor could reach or touch. For you are the wonderful counselor. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for softening our hearts, softening our relationships bestowing upon us the grace and mercy and compassion of god so that we can pray for and love our enemies so that we would not be overcome with evil but that we would overcome evil with good thank you so much for giving access to all the blessings and privileges Of being in your kingdom we pray this in Jesus name Amen Um, one of the other things we do as we respond to just God's Word is we we collect an offering Um, and an offering is just an act of worship that's what it is Um, and and the amount of it's funny right the amount of worship the amount you worship God it it is kind of directly tied to your offering and friends man I just pray I just pray that 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 God can really work in your heart so that you can worship God man as he as he is deserving as 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 it would free you and fulfill you Um, so friends thank you so much for just um, man just giving to our church also Um, it allows us to get the gospel out it allows us to minister to the city and the, the larger area of the Bay Area and we are looking forward, um, just to the amazing things, because you know we're a church plant. We're still young. Two years of our uh, church life was was taken by the pandemic, so we're like still like really just like two years old. Um, but man, we're excited to see what God is going to not only do in you, but also through you. With that said, let's all stand, and let's all sing our last song. friends. Man, it was great to worship with you today. Um, we're going to end the service by receiving the benediction, which is just a Latin word for blessing. It comes from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.